Welcome to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. My name is Fregel Byrne. Every week I speak to leading figures from the world of sustainability and explore the sustainability agenda in marketing and strategy, technology, innovation, investment and finance. We look at the latest thinking, what's working and the future and evolution of the sustainability agenda. So we do it using the same sort of principles and requirements that you expect to see traditionally in financial reporting. So the concepts were used, it looks all exactly the same. We sort of base this on and use the context of mainstream reporting. So looking at the organization's principal activities and business model, look at the descriptions of the whole organization's supply chain, and then we fit the climate reporting into that. So to complement and align with financial reporting, not in addition to financial reporting. And we often say it took them at least 50 to 100 years to get it right in financial reporting. We don't have that in our world now to get climate change and natural capital and a lot of social issues sort of addressed in the same way and with the same rigorous financial information. We're hoping through our work and then the now profile the task force has given to it will help drive that pace and scale needed. I'm very pleased today to introduce Marty McBrien. Marty's Managing Director of the Climate Disclosure Standards Board, the CDSB, an international consortium of business and environmental NGOs working to provide material information for investors and financial markets through the integration of climate change-related information into mainstream financial reporting. The CDSB framework sets out an approach for reporting environmental information and natural capital in mainstream reports, such as the annual report, 10K filing or integrated report. In 2013, Marty was awarded Environmental Campaigner of the Year by the Sheila McKechnie Foundation. Well, thank you very much, Marty, for taking the time to speak to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. And it's an honor to speak to you today. And I'm looking forward to hearing about the great work at CDSB. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about CDSB and also what your role is? CDSB is the Climate Disclosure Standards Board. And it's an international consortium of business and environmental NGOs that were set up at the World Economic Forum in 2007 to advance and align the global mainstream corporate reporting model to equate, at the time, climate change with financial capital. And this was back in the time when we had lots of different ways to report climate change and companies were saying, well, we don't really know what to do. We're listed in five jurisdictions. Australia wants one thing, the US wants one thing, the UK wants another. We have investors saying, well, we want this information, but you're not giving it to me in a way I can use it. And governments yet hadn't sort of taken the steps they've made in Paris last year to commit to a global agreement. So we were filling a gap in the market to drive consistency uh, in this space and maybe sort of fill that hole that came about when IFRIC 3 on emissions reporting was dropped from the International Accounting and Standards Board's agenda. And so we were stepping up to fill that gap. What's at stake here? How much does this matter? Thinking about this from a disclosure and a reporting perspective, I think we provide sort of the key part that sort of almost makes it all make sense. So, as I said, they, um, you've got a great amount of information being captured by sustainability reporting more broadly. And we just provide a vehicle to get that into the mainstream financial report. So boards have to sign off it, trustees have to sign off it. It makes them really have to, CFOs have to engage with the numbers. It takes sustainability across the whole business and embeds it, which really will build the um the trust in our work and the transfer or trust in work of the corporates more broadly and the transparency that we actually need to foster resilient markets and contribute to more economic, economic sustainable economic and environmental systems. 
Yes, yes. It, it seems there are, and I know you, you've written a report recently which looks at the question of part and fragmentation. There seem to be quite a number of different initiatives from the GRI and the IIRC. And what's the best way to look at that in terms of, because I know some are statutory, some are not statutory, some are investor focused. Is there a, a good way of, of simplifying, you know, how to look at these different organizations? Yeah, so I always say you need to think about why you're reporting and then who you're reporting to, and then pick which acronym, because there are many out there that you're going to use to support your reporting. So if you're doing a sustainability report, you need to look to GRI. GRI provide excellent and suit to be um, standards for reporting sustainability information to the market. If you're looking to report to your, your investors, you look for CDSB. So the IRC has put a great framework out there that provides an overarching uh, framework to integrate six capitals alongside your business operations we just feed into the natural capital part of that so i think it's really important to look at why you're reporting in the first place and then find the right tools to help you address that why not look at all the tools out there that are all fully confusing and then start to pick from those right right and i mean traditionally i suppose investors the standard information financial information is targeted at investors so to what extent is your information provided or the information that you're working on standardizing and making sure it gets to investors what's that look like so we do it using the same sort of principles and requirements that you expect to see traditionally in financial reporting so the concepts were used it looks all exactly the same um we we sort of base this on um and use the context of mainstream reporting so looking at the organization's principal activities and business model um look at the descriptions of the whole organization's supply chain and then we fit the climate reporting into that so to complement and align with financial reporting, not addition to financial reporting. And you mentioned the IIRC. How is that progressing? Maybe a better question would be to talk about Paris and COP21 and, you know, how things had changed maybe over the intervening period. I guess the question would be that what has been the impact of COP21? I think the biggest impact of COP21, or the biggest impact there, was sort of business had a bigger voice. Business was saying, you know, this is something we're committed to. But we've also seen governments start to take steps and make firm commitments, which will trickle down and drive the reporting of this key information and action on the ground. Because I think it's one thing to report either via our framework or to CDP and others using sustainability reporting, but it's actually action that comes from reporting that's actually the most important part of this. Reporting is just the vehicle to communicate that. And I'm hoping because we are seeing greater levels of reporting in the last few months ourselves. Um, that this does mean there is more actual action happening on the ground towards achieving a two-degree transition. What evidence is there that, that investors are looking for this information or what would you point to as some really positive trends that are driving this? Well, I think the climate, uh, ta- so the Task Force on Climate-Related Disclosures that was launched uh, by Bloomberg and Mark Carney at the end of last year, I think that's had a huge, uh, it's had a lot of profile, I guess, in the sort of financial market sector, which is making investors sort of think twice. We are sort of seeing catastrophes happen around the world which insurance companies are acting on investors are acting on those sort of um, of bigger trends and incidents are starting to make people more aware but even just looking to cdp data i mean they have a million hits on their data on bloomberg's platform every six weeks i mean that's that's going in the right direction isn't it with investors starting to take this stuff seriously 
Um, the cement sector report CDP released last week has already been donated eight thousand times by the investment community. So yeah, there is a. I think so. I think there is a real need and thirst for this information at the moment. But whether or not they're getting it in the way that they want it, I think, is something that we now need to look at again and, and address. I guess in the SEC and the regulation about standards of financial information grew in the 1930s and probably took some steps forward and backwards and took a little bit of coordinating to actually come up with a system of of information that was coherent material, I guess. I suppose there's a similar process going on here. It absolutely is. I mean, often say it took them at least 50 to 100 years to get it right in financial reporting. We don't have that. Um, in our world now to get climate change and natural capital and a lot of social issues sort of addressed in the same way and with the same rigour as financial information. So we're hoping through our work and then the now profile the task force has given to it will help drive that pace and scale needed. What's the outcome of the task force then? As we know, there's only been an interim report that was published um, in April. We're expecting, obviously, a further report to go out for consultation in September and then recommendations to the Financial Stability Board in G20 after that. At this stage, we're really happy with what um, the task force report is saying. It's, um, it, it's completely in line with CDSB's thought leadership and work over the last seven and eight years, and the principles it's recommending are almost word for word um, out of our framework. So we do like the direction of travel. It's, it's very much in keeping with what the market is already doing and regulations already addressing. I guess it's some time away from this being mandatory at the moment. It's still early days, really. I mean, under what circumstances and what conditions do you think that this information might become mandatory? Uh, it could be slightly quicker than you think. If you think, um, first of all, we've got two big consultations or two big policy developments happening globally outside of the task force recommendations. One is the current SEC disclosure consultation, which covers financial climate change information. So that's big US focused. Uh, and that's really picked up from a few years ago where they said, well, this stuff is material to companies and companies haven't reported it to readdressing this now. Um, and the deadline for that, I think, is next week or the week after. So it'd be interesting to see under the new administration what um, happens in this space. And the other large one is the EU non-financial reporting directive amendments to the accountancy uh, directive, which states that you know, a certain number of companies must report climate, forests, water-related information in their mainstream financial report by 2018. And legislation across Europe has to come in by the end of this year for that. So we are starting to see, and that is into the mainstream report, so the sort of audience CSB's work is looking to address, so non-financial information into the mainstream report. So that will also be a huge driver in making this mandatory in a much quicker period of time. That is also subject to the EU country's personal trans, country-based transposition. And with that on, you know, we will see a number of different approaches, some good, some bad um some such as the uk i think are aiming quite high and very ambitiously some other countries particularly in the eastern bloc uh, lowest common denominator but it's a very good start in this direction so i don't think it's as far away from being mandatory as we think uh, based on sort of the emerging regulation that's coming out in europe and also some of the work stock exchanges are doing around foreign voluntary requirements in this space the, the, the policy semi-regulatory, quasi-regulatory landscape is just starting to slowly fall into place, but it, it does need to be much quicker if we are going to prevent um, irreversible damage to the planet.
Yes, that, that's an interesting question is the, the regulatory side of things. How is that? I mean, it's I, I guess the US is a very important player there in setting global standards in a sense. But how is that proceeding? What needs to happen? I'm thinking particularly in Europe on the regulatory front. So on the regulatory front in Europe, um, we need to really be pushing for a much higher level of requirements. So at the moment, the regulation specifies that all companies must report. So can report either in your annual report or up to six months later in a separate report. As that current, so that could be your sustainability report six months later, but we all know from a corporate reporting perspective and an investor perspective, if it doesn't align with the financial information, it will not become you know, into a piece of information that's used for investment decision making. The rigour will not be there. The board sign-off will not be there. So we really need um, the revision of this regulation in 2018 to bring uh, the information only into the mainstream report and then that have transposed across Europe by 2020. So there is there is you know some changes to the regulation that need to take place uh, for it to really produce investor grade information but what they have done now is a very good start and a signal to the market the change that is coming. And I guess is it the case that environmental and climate related information that there's been more progress there or more of a drive than maybe in other areas of you know some other ESG areas maybe you know human rights and things like that is there a different pace for different kinds of information? There absolutely is and I think that's where companies find the biggest burden we are much more progressive in putting like our framework for example is there to help companies there isn't a similar sort of thing for human rights or social issues so I think they do need a lot more support and guidance to help tackle that part of the agenda. Can you talk a little bit about materiality and what that means and you know how companies need to think about that in terms of ESG? Sure. Um, I think thinking about materiality, again, it does come back to the purpose of reporting. Um, and, and there is many different approaches. We probably recently saw the release of the uh, Corporate Reporting Dialogues uh, piece on materiality. And um, I know at the moment in the CSB Secretariat, we're working with um, some secondes from the accounting profession, preparing a series of papers, um, sort of putting some leading thinking out in the market, um, exploring the approach for materiality between financial and non-financial. Because at the moment, there is a bit of a mismatch in the sustainability world between the definition of sustainability of material for sustainability reporting and the definition of material for financial reporting and reconciling those is very very hard because information is captured for different stakeholders for different purposes and whilst they don't align it provides it, it they don't meet the objectives of why you're doing it so we're trying to lay out an approach that everyone can agree um, to sort of move this agenda forward because i think i think we'll all agree there's a lot of talk about materiality um, and there's a lot of more talk about materiality, but we're not really getting to a firm conclusion anyway. That said, SASB produced some excellent materiality matrices that can support sector-based um, reporting in that space. And there are tools out there to help. Um, and from a CDSB perspective, we feel that a business should know what is most material to it. And we don't provide uh, any, any metrics or guidance on that. We refer you to SASB and others in the market. What is materiality about, really, in ESG? It's about what's most important to your business and your value creation model. Right. Is that up for grabs in the sense of, can you get that right or wrong? Is it arbitrary? Is there some general agreed sense of what that is? I think it's, it's generally agreed for financial reporting, in that if you, know, if you misstate, you could be up for, you know, up for corporate you know, litigation. You know, it's, in financial reporting, it's a very clear uh, definition of materiality. And um, 
I know ourselves at CDSB and SASB, the IRC, we adopted uh, the definition set out by the International Accounting Standards Board for materiality um, as part of our work to try and drive a consistent terminology, a consistent approach. But we deal with the mainstream report. All of those audiences deal with the mainstream report and the mainstream reporting audience. A sustainability report has a much broader audience and therefore would have a much broader definition of material to what's material to those stakeholders. So they have a slightly, slightly different definition and you can't necessarily cut and paste what's material from a sustainability report into a financial report and have it make sense. Right, right. So it's work in progress. <laughs> it's a work in progress, but I think there's some good discussion coming out later this year. And I, I really do hope because I think there's an awful amount of time spent discussing materiality and uh, consensus needs to come soon. Right, right. What will be the result of clarification on that front? It should be more consistency and comparability within the market and mm. reduce burden on reporting for report preparers. Yes, yes. And is that where SASB's focus on doing it in an industry-related manner is particularly important? I think it is really important, uh, particularly, I mean, their work aligns ever so, you know, perfectly with the US market and the US requirement where it's, you know, where it's set up. Um, however, I mean, it could translate anywhere across the world. It's not a tick, tick, you know, like a tick box exercise. You know, it's a set of guiding, like guiding indicators, I guess, for what could be, if you're in that sector, what could be material to your business operations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I read one of the, uh, I think was on your website from Lois Guthrie about, she said the sustainability reporting is radically different from the practices of the past. And I was wondering, what does she mean? Or, you know, what, what are the challenges in particular? I think it comes back to the strength of the system. We need to start thinking about, and also the changing expectations of, of reporting and of a business and how it how it creates and sustains value for the long term. So we're, I guess we're traditionally used to a sustainability department kind of, a, you know, in their own little corner in a business, punching to get heard by the CFO and the rest of the business, whereas it's becoming much, much more integrated and so we need to have sort of that system in place. So we have the old, the, the sort of the mainstream reporting model, which is focused on financial and governance information and management commentary. And we have a sustainability reporting model focused on economic, social, and environmental outcomes and accountability. But they're sort of sort of coming together a bit more through this integration, and that will require you know, structure um, and, and structured data as well, ready for dissemination, analysis, and decision making, which obviously for useful by investors but others as well. Standards to encourage the consistency and comparability needed to get that information out to the market. And also, as we said, materiality to make sure the information that is being reported is decision-useful information for the market again. Right, right. And we talked before about the fact that the climate information is more developed or the thinking about how to present that and, and so forth. What are there lessons for other areas like we mentioned, you know, human rights or other areas in terms of the development of standards and integration of this information in a meaningful way to report to stakeholders? You know, we, to, we talk a lot about this internally at CDSB as we expanded from climate to natural capital. Um, we've taken a lot of the thinking that we did on climate and can apply it to natural capital. And we're keen as part of that process that we're learning as many aspect you know is keeping it learning as much as we can from one to the other as those sort of systems are developed so the sort of thing that is to think about is thinking about it as um, a, a sort of more of a consistent 
approach. So think about, again, who the audience is when you're developing it and what sort of information and what purpose you want for the outcome. So for human rights, you need to think about, um, so for example, you need to think about why it's being reported, what information you want to capture, and then think about the systems to put in place to capture that. I think with CDSB's work, initially when we started out, there was already the greenhouse gas protocol. So putting our work out into the system um, sort of confused the market a little bit, but it was very much GHG as an internal um, management tool that helps you calculate your greenhouse cut using our framework. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't very clear. So getting the messaging right, understanding the system and the structures that you need and seek to change through putting together a human rights framework or a calculation methodology for social capital, for example, and then the outcome and then put it in place and, and clearly communicate that. I think communicating that and to the right audiences and making the connections with what's already out there, I think that's key. Actually, I will come back because making the connections with what exists and how it aligns and where it's useful, uh, I think will speed up the uptake of their work as well. And we can sort of link that back. The Natural Capital Protocol is released next week. I couldn't think of anything better. We really need that protocol to help um, realise the success of CDSB's uh, framework. But they, the whole way through, have made sure that they haven't duplicated anything. They've worked with all the key partners. They've standardised the definitions. They've thought about where it's going at the end of the day. Very clear on what they're trying to achieve. I think all of that's really important. But I also think they need to think about where they see this at the end. So when CDSB was set up, we're based inside CDP. We're not our own independent company by guarantee, limited by guarantee or anything like that. We're almost filling a gap. So we know where we fit at the end. And that's in international accounting standards. It's in the OECD, maybe in a some sort of multinational model convention. You know, we, we don't see ourselves having to exist forever. We're filling a gap. And I think it's also important for anybody else creating um, new bodies to sort of realize where, where success is and where the end game is. And, and where it all fits together to come together as one, because we can't go about having a natural capital and a climate change and a human rights and a, you know, all these different bit players that add up to one whole. I think we need to be starting to work out how we're coming together as a whole and filling those gaps where it might be weaker in reporting and disclosure to bring it together as one. Right, right. Natural capital, what does that include? I mean, you mentioned that you were, uh, it's an interesting time in the sense that this is going to be released. How do you see this as an important step forward? It's, it's, I think it's quite a useful step forward in that it brings together forest, water, climate, biodiversity, some idea around valuation. It, you're sort of providing the missing bit in the puzzle to uh, support internal discussions on this very broad area. And can link then nicely through to you know the mainstream report and disclosure through us. But coming back to the actual protocol, I think it's really key in company side to think about the value of natural capital to their business creation model and starting to think about if that was to have a price put on it, what would that actually mean? Yes, because I know that some people have talked about the lack of carbon pricing, a disappointment coming out of COP21 that there wasn't more you know done on that front and at the same time there do seem to be many companies that are adopting a kind of shadow carbon pricing so they are using figures internally to guide them on how they make decisions and think about carbon and carbon usage i guess in a similar way that maybe using some kind of draft figures or you know thinking about natural capital in this way that's right and helpful. i think you might be able to remember back to sort of the puma and caring case study that came out a few years ago where they put a value on Natural capital created the methodology and put a value on natural capital. And this is just taking exactly the same thing and, and driving it further. 
Right. And what does it mean for companies themselves? I mean, one thing, clearly, you're talking about a wider range of stakeholders, new kinds of information that they would be provided with. Presumably, companies will need to think about that and manage that in a, in a different way and, and probably staff up that side That's right. of the business. That's right. I think there's possibly potentially a huge skills gap if, if this sort of work moves quickly, because there isn't you know, a huge amount of practitioners within companies that have the skills to do this accountants currently aren't trained to do a lot of this so um, sustainability people aren't trained to think about this in a different way so i think it is going to create a whole new way of thinking a whole new sort of business in training and skills development right through from measurement right through to auditing and assurance you mentioned the time frame that it had taken for financial standards <laughs> to become agreed. What's a reasonable kind of time frame looking forward, do you think, to see major progress and integration and, and maybe even mandatory reporting? On climate, I think probably five years. On natural capital, I'd say more like 10 to 20. Right, right. I guess that gives you a, a very clear target agenda over the next five years to bring your work to it, Honestly, it really does. Uh, we're always looking about where we fit, where our end game is, how we complement the market, um, and working with our board to, to make sure we remain relevant and sort of filling that gap and providing the thought leadership and the tools to help companies you know, realize uh, the value of reporting non-financial information in their mainstream reports. Well, thank you very much, Marty, and I wish you the very best of success with CDSB and uh, over the next few years. And it's been really interesting to hear your insights into this rapidly changing and vitally important area. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. I hope you found it interesting. Please sign up at the sustainabilityagenda.com website or on iTunes to make sure you don't miss any future episodes.